welcome back to Hair Metal Memories. We are your hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Aaron. And this is a new episode, or a new format for an episode for us. Uh, this is the first one we've not done in real time together because of social distancing and all that stuff. We're recording on. apocalypse style. We are. We are in our separate homes observing proper social distancing, uh, trying to be as healthy and as, as we possibly can. Um, we're also using, a, we have a new podcast unit. Uh, this is a Zoom Live Track L8, which is uh, hopefully going to be a game changer for us here in our little podcast world. Uh, uh, Aaron's calling in. Uh, we have a jack in this thing. It's recording it to an SD card. It seems to be pretty slick and pretty sweet. So uh, the, the uptick of that is, and the good news about that is, we're hoping to eventually have people being able to call in. So uh, if you're listening and honestly. Now, Uh, The album that we're about to talk about today, uh, we were toying with the idea, you know, before the world shut down, um, we were toying with the idea of uh, having this be our first call-in episode. We lined up a friend of ours, uh, a friend of mine, to be, I guess, to be more specific, who who was going to call in and talk. But then, uh, well, events happened, life happened. You see when this episode is going to be posted, so you'll understand the context of the situation. So as it as it try as it works out, we're just going to do this one on our own. So there's not going to be a guest this week. <laughs> that's right, which is unfortunate, but that's uh, that's the way of the world at the moment. And we'll. We'll but a shout out to my buddy Brian. If you ever listen to this podcast, just remember you were going to be the guest here. <laughs> yeah, but we're hoping to have more call-in guests in the future. So if you're listening to this and would like to call in and talk about hair metal with us at some point, we'll uh, we'll work something out. Um, uh, today we're going to talk about the debut album from Faster Pussycat. And I'm really excited about this. This is one of the ones that's been in the back of my mind since we first proposed doing this podcast. Yeah, and I'd, I'd listened to it a little bit a long time ago, but had not delved in it very much and uh, didn't didn't know the band very well. And it's been forever since I heard it. So, um, and, this, and this, for me, sorry, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say it was a fun album to listen to and fun to research, and uh, it was it surprised me actually. And see, see, for me. Um, I didn't I didn't hear this album originally when I was a kid, but this is one of the bands that as a youngster, I actually bought uh, their second album, Wake Me When It's Over, when it was, you know, new. And I really liked it. I thought it was super cool. I didn't really have any reference points for it. So a lot of the a lot of the touchstones for this band, I didn't discover until I was an older person digging back into rock history and being a record nerd but uh i i wasn't super familiar with this album except for a couple songs but i was familiar with faster pussycat so it was really exciting to talk about this one just because of uh once again sort of the way the tentacles of of rock sort of play (laughs) out i i got excited about this album (laughs) yeah and i think uh wake me when it's over was a lot more successful for them than the first one well uh, oh, Wake Me When It's Over had a power ballad on it, which which one of the great big notes on on my on my show notes for this episode, the the, the big note that I have at the bottom is, hey, no ballads. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, di- I didn't think about that. There are no ballads on this record. That's well, because you're going to you're going to find that most of the time on this podcast, as we go forward, there's going to be like at least the big ballad, if not two ballads on an album. And and the, the, the albums that just don't feature one are going to be decidedly few. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so this is kind of a rarity. 
Um, talk, talk a little bit about like the band. Uh, they, they formed in 1985 during the glam rock and glam punk boom. Um, and so everybody was forming bands and all that stuff. And this album was their debut album and it came out in 1987. And the cool thing is um, the guy who, who originally was their bass player, uh, uh, Kelly Nichols ended up getting in a, in a, in a motorcycle accident and having to, well, basically be out of commission for a while. And he got replaced by Eric Stacy, who becomes the, the guy who plays bass, you know, through their, their main period. But then Kelly Nichols actually, um, ended up finding his way to success in something that I believe we have slated for a later episode, which is, yeah. uh, LA guns. Yeah. Yeah, I read a, an interview with uh, Eric Stacy about that. He he was in a band called Darling Cruel, uh, and it was when all the L.A. scene musicians were hanging out together, and no one had really hit it all that big yet. Um, and uh, and D- Eric got invited to this barbecue from a manager, uh, from the same woman who managed Faster Pussycat and Guns N' Roses. And at, oh wow! And at the end of the barbecue, faster put the faster pussycat guys said, "Well, we're going to go off and we're going to go rehearse." And and Eric Stacy went home later that night. He got a call, and Kelly Nichols had been hit by a car on his motorcycle. And they had like this conference call with him, and they asked him, "Hey, would you would you what do you think about like maybe playing with us, learning a couple songs?" And um and then uh, Kelly Nichols didn't wasn't getting better anytime soon, and they began thinking that he wasn't going to walk again. Um, so I, I, yeah, it sounded like from what I had, had researched, he ended up kind of walking with a cane for a while after that had happened. And after he had recovered, yeah, it was a pretty serious accident. So, uh, so Eric Stacy sort of just never, never went away basically while Kelly Nichols was recovering. And, and he said that he went and visited, uh, uh, Kelly Nichols in the hospital and was friends with him and everything. And, and, you know, and felt bad about like taking his place, but he couldn't do the job. So somebody was going to do it. Right. There wasn't much of a choice in the situation. I get it. Yeah. I, I just loved it that they met at a barbecue, though. I thought that was kind of charming. <laughs> it seems, yeah. That's just that's just wonderful. Yeah. What a very Midwestern way to meet people. Right, exactly. <laughs> here in the middle of, like, you know, CDLA at the time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Faster Pussycat is named for a Russ Meyer film about go-go dancers who go on a murder and kidnapping spree in the California desert. So... Uh, Which is funny because I believe uh, White Zombie is named after a Russ mm-hmm. Meyer film too. Mm-hmm. So that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. So there you go. They were kind of they uh, Russ Meyer's uh, uh, influence uh, spans different genres and types and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, and their uh, their singer. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Timey? Timey? It's Timey. I listen to um. I'm a big fan of uh, Ricky Rackman's Hollywood uh, Cat okay. House Hollywood podcast. So big shout out to Ricky yeah. um, because it's awesome. Uh, but he he was roommates with with uh, Tammy Down, and that's how he pronounces it. So I hey, hey, you know what? I will defer to the guy who lived with him and, and founded yeah. the Cat House uh, Club with him. Yeah, I saw that that they owned a club together. I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, um, and there's a podcast about said club. I can't recommend it enough. It is full of great stories. So I'm look at that. I'm plugging another podcast <laughs> on our podcast. I'm being really open about it too because it's great and I love it. It's yeah. it's saved on my podcast list. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Rackman's like one of those names that keeps showing up a lot in in a lot of our research too. It's gonna yeah, he's gonna come up like that because he just knew a lot of people and he had a club where a lot of those people like ended up hanging out at some point or another. So paths cross. Yeah, yeah, but uh, 
Tammy Down uh, worked with a, I thought was kind of interesting and somewhat relevant now, uh, worked with a band called Pig Face, which is uh, an offshoot of, yes. which is an offshoot of ministry. And so he worked with Bill Rieflin, who just passed away this week. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, I had actually just been reading about Mr. Rieflin earlier and uh, yeah, and he he was he was even in a band. Uh, he, Tammy Down in his early musical days was on a uh, Pacific Northwest metal compilation. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, a band named uh, uh, the Bondage Boys, and they were on a uh, compilation called Northwest Metal Fest. Wow! <laughs> like that's that's heavy. Bondage Boys is a great name. <laughs> and Metal Church was on the same compilation. Yeah. So there's like, yeah. yeah, at least one band that I went on to be a pretty big fan of. Yeah. And uh, Pink Face also had a young Trent Reznor in it before he got big with Nine Inch Nails. And there's a Pink Face cover on uh, that one of the hidden tracks on uh, on Broken. Um, bro- yeah. Look at that. Look at all the look at all this stuff tying together. It's weird. Yeah. And uh he uh Tammy Down also sang on uh, the Skid Row covers album. He sang And that, that one I, I actually spotted that when it came out cuz uh I remember when that came out cuz uh I used to like go to the library all the time and check out just stacks of CDs and listen to them cuz they just used to have just a ton of them and uh, I found the Skid Row covers EP and I think that Psychotherapy is like the opening track and I remember listening to it and going Hey, that's not Sebastian Bach scene right there. I know exactly who that is. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, they sing they sing a Ramon song, Psychotherapy, which I thought was pretty cool. I haven't heard the Skid Row um, covers album. I, I I like Skid Row it's, quite a bit. It's but. just an EP. It's a pretty interesting one. It's 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 kind of all over the place as far as who they uh, who they cover. Yeah. Um. There's uh. They do uh. Oh, uh, the, they do the Ramones, obviously, Psychotherapy, and they cover uh, uh, Kiss. They do Come On and Love Me. They do Judas Priest Delivering the Goods. They do Rush. They do Jimi Hendrix. It's 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 nice. a cool little mix of tunes. I have to put that on my list. That's a... Uh... Kind of want to do more Skid Row research anyway. Skid Row is one of the oh, hair metal bands. I'm a Skid Row fan, like at least yeah. of of the Sebastian Bach era. I, I have seen. I well, I was gonna say I have seen them with the new singer, but you know that we were both there. <laughs> yep, we went so, to that show. <laughs> that's right. Anyways, but yeah, so that's our little digression. Is that as the time Tammy Down uh, sang on. Uh, on psychotherapy on the Ramones EP, which is a funny piece. Seek it out. You can find a copy out there on like Discogs or Amazon. Totally get one. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and Tammy Down went on to uh, form an industrial band. Uh, he seemed really interested in making industrial music, which which I thought was sort of strange. But uh, he he formed a band called the Newly Deads with Kyle Kyle of Bang Tango. Heck yeah! And so, I believe Bang Tango is another one that we have discussed. Yep. Uh, that's another one getting into on this. Yeah, he's he's, he's a uh, Tammy Down has done a bunch of stuff. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, he we, has. Talked, we talked about him being a club owner. Um, he was a promoter for a couple LA clubs, and he's done DJ sets and stuff. So he's been a little all over the map, which is kind of. I mean, he sounds like a super interesting guy. He he's kind of and he he was a guest on on Ricky's podcast, and he's also a. He did a thing called Metal School, and I, I, I saw that he uh, in, 
was associated with Josh Richmond there. And Josh Richmond was a name I thought I was familiar with. And I went digging through my records and I found it because he, Josh Richmond is, is was involved with uh, Guns N' Roses in the user illusion period. And there's a picture of him in the photo collage that sits in the middle of the user illusion uh, lyric uh, book. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's just people connect with people all over the, all over the place in just crazy ways and all of this. <laughs> Um, I do know that like later on, you know, faster pussycat, well, like, like a lot of bands of these days, they, they kind of ran into that thing where, you know, the, uh, early nineties, 1991 fall of 1991 happened and kind of, kind of cleared a lot of things away. <laughs> uh, and which is too bad because they made the album Whipped, which I kind of dug. I've only listened to it a few times, but I mean, I just I just like them as a band. But it, that came out in 92. So it was a very unfortunate time for them. And they've kind of, you know, uh, some of the time. Down is the one who has, who's kind of kept the band going. But it's he he's it's him and a bunch of other folk. Yeah. And I guess not everybody's like super happy with with one another there, and that kind of sucks. It's really too bad that it has to unfold like that, but that's where we're at there. Yeah, yeah. At one point, um, I read that they they had two different versions of the band going at the same time, and Tammy Down was like doing more of an industrial sort of approach to Faster Pussycat, and the other band members weren't into it and did like traditional version of Faster Pussycat, and you know, lawyers got involved and people weren't happy. Uh. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and we've got, uh, Brent Muscat on lead guitar and he's worked with a ton of other groups. Um, and he's ended up in Vegas, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, he moved from LA to Vegas when things started drying up in the hair metal scene. And he plays with a group called the Sin City Sinners, um, who seem to be pretty popular. What I'd never heard of them before, but uh, just in the yeah, it's a Vegas that. act. Uh, reading the reading the metal pages, I've seen the name come up a bunch because they've had a whole bunch of like cool people like kind of drift in and out of it. Yeah, their uh, their singer is a guy named Zachary Throne, who's an actor that was on Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero and Party of Five, who. Uh, um, also as a musician and he's somebody else who, who gets around a lot and he played lead guitar with Bow Wow Wow and he's played oh wow and he's played bass <laughs> with Bruce Kulick in his band so there's our token kiss reference for I guess oh you, you, sweet we get to tie yeah, in the kiss again Bruce Kulick so like yeah. yeah all right all right cool and he uh and he's played guitar with Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour fame uh so there's our Iowa connection wow okay Boom. we're Dude, we're getting all kinds of stuff picked off in this episode. All right, no, I dig this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. He 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 does. It seems to do like a pretty pretty well for himself in Las Vegas. Um, and the other thing I I thought was interesting about uh, um, Eric Stacy was that uh, uh, you know he he ended up having an enormous drug habit and uh, was severely affected by heroin addiction um, but he ended up at one point being roommates with Nikki Six when they were both going to rehab together and he, he so he got to be oh, so wow. he, he was friends with all the Motley Crue guys and and seemed to know them pretty well so well yeah i mean a lot of those guys all came up at the same time playing through the same circuits the same bands and knew the same people yeah. so yeah um, I know, um, well, because, uh, uh, the drummer of, uh, of Fashion Pussycat, uh, 
two album or the out after after wake me when it's over got fired from the band for trying to sign for a a fedex package full of heroin in yeah, omaha that was addressed right. to eric stacy yeah i thought that was kind of cool that it was uh, so in omaha, wow right around the corner <laughs> just man yeah that, that's not that's not that's not that far but yeah that's heavy that <laughs> <laughs> Now you know. I mean, they're 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 far from the only band that had these these right. sort of issues. It's just the only one where you get a FedEx package involved that we've seen so far. Right. Yeah. That's, I guess that's their original spin on the story. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not thinking that far ahead, maybe. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, after the debut album was released, they and they it took off for them. It seems like they toured with Alice Cooper, David Lee Roth, and Motorhead. So that's a that's those aren't slouches at all. Those are good acts to be too. No, it does seem like weird to have them paired with Motorhead, but that yeah. hey, that's cool. The other ones I can see a lot better, but yeah, yeah, I think like Faster Pussycat opening for Motorhead would be sort of an odd situation, but you know. <laughs> and I did see them. I remember seeing them in uh, Decline of Western Civilization too, because that's like yeah, uh, I like all of the Decline. Uh, docs, but the second one's kind of my favorite one. Those guys were just so. Me too. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's and I think like for anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you haven't seen uh, the decline of Western Civilization, Civilization Part Two, the Metal Years, that is uh, like highly recommended viewing. Uh, you know, for, for as of the time of this recording, it's for it's free viewing on Amazon Prime right now. I don't know how long that window lasts. It depends on when you listen to this, but right now it's free viewing on Prime. Yeah, and, and just as a kind of a weird side tangent note, uh, um, I think that like uh, the the funniest scenes to me are Odin, <laughs> who are who predict that they're going to be one of the biggest bands of all time, and then I've oh, never... they were the one who was playing at at Gazaris, and yeah, they they predict they're going to be one of the biggest bands of all time and last forever, and you never hear from them again. <laughs> and then there's a great scene with Ozzy making breakfast. <laughs> and you know, it turns out later that scene with Ozzy making breakfast that was that was staged. A yeah, lot of that yeah. stuff. He, he seemed pretty um, unhinged and out of it, and in, in that scene, and I'm not surprised that like, well, I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised either way, honestly. Ozzy's had a pretty. Well, see that, yeah, that. that's kind of the funny slash sad whatever thing about that is you could understand it being being staged, but you could also understand it really happening either way. I don't know. It's, it's some bizarro, equally plausible yeah. thing. I don't know. It's kind of heavy. Even if it was staged, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's fun viewing either way. Cause you get to watch Ozzy make eggs and he, yes. he clearly doesn't. And, and try to make himself a glass of orange juice and have right. him fail spectacularly. <laughs> and you get to watch the Chris Holmes scenes and be like, you know what? Yeah. That's pretty much indicative of just what the eighties rock thing was kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, another thing that stood out to me was that uh, Faster Pussycat has had a lot of members over the years. Um, they have. In the, um, in the Wikipedia the, article? At least of the bands we've talked about to this point, I think they're the ones that have had the most people kind of cycle in and out. Yeah, on the Wikipedia article, there's a chart with a timeline on it showing all the people and the crossover period and stuff like that. And it really drove it home for me. Like, oh, these guys have had a lot of members. <laughs> Yeah. Um they this record didn't tur- didn't get to be a gold record until 2004. And it's amazing that it's it's in 2004 that that hits. Yeah. Cuz we're, we're we're really starting to get pl- close to the period where you, where people aren't buying albums anymore, you know. Yeah, it took forever uh, for it to do that and it's like why 2004? I didn't 
I don't know why 2004. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, because I found some information about it being reissued, and I, I haven't looked too closely at, at that, to be perfectly honest about it. But Yeah, and, and, and it got up to be number 97 on the top 200 charts when it was released, uh, but it was never nearly as popular as Wake Me When It's Over. So, um, But it's good that they had that success after that. Um, and in 2005, Faster Pussycat was ranked number 498 in Rock Hard Magazine's book of the 500 greatest rock and metal albums of all time. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of kind of hitting the bottom there, but uh, at least well, they made you know, the list. Still, I mean, when you think about it, 500 is not a very big number in the world of rock and metal. It's not. Uh, boy, do I put it in the top 500? I don't know. I really like it a lot. I'm not yeah. good at lists, I guess, because mine change a lot. I really enjoy this album. Yeah. I do see that, like. Well, yeah, it's funny that it was it was issued or it, it was certified as gold in 2004 because it hadn't been the last time it had been issued anywhere in any capacity at all was in 1997 in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it had all of its 1987 issues, but then it was never issued again until 97. And then in the last 10 years, there's been a few. It's actually still available right now. You, If you wanted to go get a, a brand new reissued LP copy of this. You totally could. Nice. Yeah. So they're still, they're, I mean, they're still in circulation in some ways. They're That's, still in circulation. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you could actually like support the artist instead of just listening to it on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which we advocate for very strongly here at hair metal. Very Life. much so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's talk about our experiences with the album. You talked a little bit about yours. Um, well, yeah, I, 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 I listened to it. I had like a CD copy that I'd kind of, I think I got out of a used music store that I didn't give a lot of time to. And then I tracked down an LP of it and have listened to it a number of times. And, uh, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of, this was, uh, by the time I got to it, I had a friend loan it to me on a cassette, I think, and I was listening to it. And uh, the song Babylon stuck out to me just because it's just like so so kind of nuts and the, the vocal performance is kind of crazy and all that stuff. Um, and uh, But I, I didn't really give him much of a chance after that, honestly. So this is the first time I'm really coming back to it and listening to the whole album um, since it came out, basically. Um, so I don't have a lot of experiences with it, um, but... Listening to it now, it seems like really, uh, you know, I thought it was like really grimy and raunchy. And, it is. And it, and it, it's like kind of sleazy in spots. It reminds and me it, of uh, Aerosmith's druggiest albums. And the other, yes, I, I totally hear where you're coming from with that. You get it. You can totally, you can very much hear that, that uh, the really sleazy Aerosmith time. And the other thing that, when I was when I was digging into this and sitting here looking at the LP uh, notes, is that uh, the guy who produced it is uh, the same guy who produced Poison's uh, "Look What the Cat Dragged In." Oh, nice! And you can kind of hear a production similarity in that it's left really raw. I mean, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of effects, there's not a lot of processing. It's really like yeah. just kind of capturing these raucous performances, and that's really kind of a cool thing about it. It's not overly produced. I mean, some, some sometimes you get some really big drum sounds on it, but like it's it, yeah. I, for the most part, it's a pretty pretty rough around the edges recording, and it's really awesome. 
I thought so too. There, there's not a, there's no like super awesome guitar moments on this the way that have been in most of the albums we've talked about. It's just, it's really very blues based and the solos aren't mixed very loud. There's not like big guitar solos. They're kind of like. That was another thing I was noticing when, when, cause you know, a lot of the times we'll, we'll like pick some solos that we won't listen to. And I was having a hard time this time just because. Yeah. I mean, it's not that they're bad or anything. I'm not trying to like dismiss anything. It's just they. It, it's it's odd how they didn't seem like they were like a focal point the same way they are on a lot of like the guitar slinger right. uh, albums we've talked about. Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's really, I mean, the it's mostly based on the vocalist. I mean, it's you know they're hilarious lyrics and in that dirtbag kind of way. And then, they're very and, over the top in a lot of places. Yeah, and, and he has a very distinctive vocal style with just tons of personality in it. Um, and 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 some some of the songs, it's almost like it's it's almost like hip hop in some ways with the syncopation that he does in some of the lyrics, the, the way he delivers them. Uh, just you know, tons of swagger is I guess all the way through. It's like this, you know, Tammy Downs is just like swaggering his way through the entire album, and then he has a very competent you know, band with him that aren't doing flashy things much. Yeah. They sounded very, he sounds so, sometimes when you listen to like the first album of a band, you can, the, the singer still trying to find his find, find the bravado or whatever, especially in this, this genre. But, uh, you know, Tammy comes out firing on this one. Pretty, pretty uh, solid. Yeah. Uh, let, let's, let's dig into some of the tunes. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. The, the album opens up with don't change that song. Um, and this one, uh, for me, I just loved all of the innuendo on it. It's just, it's one of those sexual innuendo songs where it's just nothing but just nonstop innuendo. Um, it just sounded like, it sounded like the opener to once again, going back to what you said, but like, it's a very Aerosmithy song and it sounds like the sort of song that Aerosmith might open an album with. Yeah. And, and there's a line on it that I just thought was funny. It was like in the midst of consummation, she caused me aggravation when she started messing with that dial. So it's all like he, he's trying to get with this chick and she's trying to change his music and he's not having it. <laughs> so now, so you have to wonder what he was listening to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like In the it. middle of it, she's like, hold up, hold up. We got to change this. Right. <laughs> like, what are you listening to, dude? But hey. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's just a good old fashioned raunchy ass rock and roll song, which is like that was a good friendly way to just, you know, get into the record, I thought. Um, and then the second song is Bathroom Wall, which is just where he, he calls a number on the bathroom wall for sex. Basically, I like the uh, I like the drums at the opening. That's like about yeah. the most produced you get on this whole album is those huge drums in the opening of this song. They are some big drums. And uh I said something about yeah. I said it's uh, it, it, to all you kids out there. That's how the that's how crazy <laughs> sleazy people hooked up in the days before Craigslist. And that's, that's, oh yeah, that would be the way. Yeah, <laughs> usually it used to be in truck stops and things like that. But uh, you know, yeah, you used to leave your number on the wall, cross your fingers, hope for the best. Who knows what you're gonna get? <laughs> you know, and you just have to hope you're at home at, at the time when they call you. I guess. <laughs> and. Uh, I- to me, it sounds like this song was like written to be like a kind of like a single, like something you would you would hear. You know, it's yeah. got like that awesome, like totally cool, like guitar hook. It really yeah. kind of feels like a New York Dolls song that has like. Yeah, I thought this one was more punkish than than some of the other tunes, too. You know, it really kind of has that particular sort of Dolls trashiness to it. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, it's a good, I'm surprised somebody hasn't covered that song, this song. I mean, because it really is like sort of like it's it's witty and it's kind of like, you know, it's just kind of dirty and funny and stuff like that. And the um, riff is awesome because it's not really much more than two notes, but it's just kind of got that <laughs> groovy bend in it, you know? Yeah, we go from that to uh, No Room for Emotion. Um, and this is one that I tagged that I'd like to play a little bit of this one because uh, nice. uh, uh, I think that this really could be a Stones song. I mean, this sounds. Oh, like- dude, this is like one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. I'm so glad you picked this one. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a Rolling Stones song to me. So, um, and I just thought I could totally hear them doing it. But here, let's see. We're going to try out our fancy new technology and play this in real time. All right. <laughs> thing going on there but i could totally hear mixing in this i i do love the sort of how much like sneer you can hear in his voice yeah <laughs> the cloud dripping radi- and and i just wanted to add that the cloud dripping radiation right on my head like one of my favorite like little lyrics of this whole album that is I think a he's a freaking lyric. genius yeah <laughs> there's some very psychedelic and trippy lyrics in here with all of the the sleaze and gutter stuff <laughs> And I kind of like the way now I'm just kind of guessing, but it clearly sounds like they let the two guitar players kind of switch off in the solo section of this song. Yeah. Um, And it's one of the times you can really tell that it goes from one channel to the other of a, here, I'm taking over. I'm taking the back half of the solo. But yeah, (laughs) great freaking tune, man. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones on the album. Me too. That one one really stood out for me. Uh, And then we've got Cat House which was the name of the club that um, Tammy Downs and, and Ricky Rackman ran. Yeah, I mentioned uh, it's kind of promo for his yeah, club. <laughs> pr- promoting his own club, which is not a bad thing. Um, but it was also the B-side of the of the bathroom wall single. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if you feel like tracking on singles so you can listen to it in like a really cool uh, hi-fi way, you should totally do it. Yeah, and this tune I thought was more like boogie-woogie or something than hair metal. I mean, it, it just like, I don't know. It's a, I mean, it's pretty much about just going to a cat house. Uh, you know, the, the lyrics are just got back from the best cat house in town. And, and I love this lyric and had the best piece of Mona Lisa I ever found. I don't even know and what that means. See what I'm hoping is because I'm a loyal listener to a Ricky's podcast. That there's going to be some story someday that's going to spell that out. Yeah, the best, And I think that would be lovely. A piece of Mona Lisa. I don't know what that is, but it's, 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 it seems clever. It makes it, it really has stuck in my head and I'm wondering about it. So what's, that's kind of, kind of a sign of a good lyric. And, but and yeah, it's also a fucking rocking tune is what I said about it. Yeah. It has some, those awesome screechy vocals at the end of it. I mean, oh hell yes! Yeah, the guy's got some pipes, man. It's like you gotta, even if you don't like what he's singing about, like he, the way he delivers it is like pretty nuts. I, I can't imagine him. I mean, if he sings like this every night on tour, I can't. I just can't imagine how his throat survives. <laughs> yeah, you got me, man. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and after that, we've got Babylon, which was the song that I used to listen to fairly frequently. It was the one that I would like just rewind and play over and over again. Um, and I know that it was Ricky Rackman doing the scratches. Oh, was it really? That's yep. cool. Yeah. It totally is. Yeah, and this song, you know, with through the the hindsight factor, it has kind of a Beastie Boys vibe for me, and and it seems more again more of the punk side of things. I mean, yeah, and this one probably has the most over the top lyrics of the whole record. Yeah, it's 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 an unhinged vocal performance, I would say. He just, oh, very much so. Yeah. In an album of unhinged vocal performances, yeah. with 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 crazy lyrics this is the one that's like the apex of all of that yeah this is the other one i had flagged to play a little bit of so we're gonna, we're gonna play the intro to Sweet. this song just to give people an idea of what's going on here That's pretty cool. And and later on in the song, there's these gems of lyrics where it's a meta hoochie coochie named Dizzy Cowabunga said, shut your face and take off what you got under. Went outside, said your place, not mine, because my granny's on the couch and she smells like she might die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just great. <laughs> it's just like sort of... <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely, that was, definitely that punk rock side of things, which I love, and and, and he just delivers it so well. Um, yeah. But yeah, and 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 it's another one of those. It, it's one of the tracks that reminds you that the albums used to specifically be made with like side closers in mind and side openers in mind. You know, mm-hmm. a re- an album was a two sided affair. We had to turn it over, even if it was like a tape. You had to switch sides, so you had the song that closed out the side. And this sounds like it was made. You know, it sounds like it's supposed to close out the side of an album. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then so we switch over to side two, and we start with Smash Alley. Um, <laughs> I said, ooh, spy time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a sleazy tune. Um, this kind of reminded me of early Guns N' Roses lyrically. It's really funny you say that because my note says – because here's the thing. It's the side opener on side two, and it's kind of one of those uh, like you know sleazy GNR things that you're mentioning. Yeah, it paints a picture uh, of like junkie and hooker life in L.A. You well, know? because it sort of it has the same it, it occupies the same spot that uh, my Michelle does on on Appetite for Destruction. It's the side B opener. That's the sleazy tune. That's oh, like yeah. the the rock and sleazy tune. So good call. I, I made the exact same note. <laughs> Only theirs is a little bit like, you know, whereas my Michelle's kind of like a it feels like it's 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 uh more personal than this one. This one's a little bit more yeah third person or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my Michelle's about a person and this is just about a whole alley full of like fucked up people. Right. <laughs> but it, it sort of occupies the same spot and the same role. Yeah. Good call, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and after that we've got shooting you down. Um and this one reminded me of the replacements. 
I guess I hadn't thought of that, but you have a good point. Cause see the, the thing I, what I thought was, it was like, it almost had, it, it was the, the typical sort of dolls and Aerosmith thing I was hearing on the, on the, a lot of the other songs, but I kind of thought it had like some faces in it. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like, like sort of a drunk swaggery feel to that one. Um, I guess that's, that's ultimately what ties all those names together is, is a drunk swagger. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we've got a uh, city has no heart. Um, and this one stood out for me because, uh, after a bunch of sort of celebrating the sleazy side of LA here, they signed to, they, they, they kind of seem to be over it with this one. And it's, it's, it's one of those that I think that like, you can hear a lot of these songs in eighties rock where you have the bands that are from LA who have a song kind of like this. Mm-hmm. versus the bands who are not from L.A. who move to L.A. and have a song about this, but from a, like a weirdly different perspective. I think this yeah. is the, this, this one is just one of those songs that you hear a lot in, in the 80s L.A. bands. Yeah, it's like they, they'd already done enough drugs and seen enough of the sleazy side where they're like, wait, is this okay? I don't feel so good. <laughs> and then, then we have Ship Rolls In. Um this is another one that I thought could have been a Stones or Aerosmith tune. Um, there's some crazy vocal moments on this tune too. Yes, <laughs> I like the I like the idea of having a, having a song about making it and having riches on your very first record. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're going with the the Odin sort of like mode of like we're gonna be huge. <laughs> yeah. And then we close out the record with Bottle in Front of Me, which is, uh, um, I mean, it's kind of a T-shirt slogan. You know, the I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. And uh, that's the chorus, basically. Yeah, yeah, and this is. And it's also like, it's weird, though, like, it's like the danciest song on the record, and it's all the way at the end of the album. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's an anthem to alcoholism, basically. It's, it's basically all about drinking. And he references Ricky Rockman in here he, directly. Yep. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky Rackman's name is in it, so I'm sort of like, so he must have been a good buddy. And I like the breakdown section where they have their little, you know, short little ode to the hangover. That's, yeah, you know, that's about as close <laughs> as they got to them being like, well, you know, there's a downside to the party. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Well, you know, you know, in, in the middle of an 80s album, you don't want to, like, have any bum out moments. You just got to keep the party going, man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Oh, well, cool. I didn't have any other notes other than that. That kind of brings us to the end of the record. Did you have anything else, Aaron? No, just that uh, I was super happy that it didn't have any ballads. It's just like rock tunes all the way through. Yeah, that is the one thing I respect about these guys. What every now and then there's a couple lyrics where through modern lenses you kind of like wince a little bit or something like that. Oh boy, do you ever! But like, uh, but these guys really did rock hard all the way through, and I mean, especially for a debut album, they they. You know, there was no moments on here of selling out or anything like that. They were really going for it and just trying to be a great big ass rock band. So, yes, it's it's wonderful that it's not more produced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely recommend people checking it out one way or the other. And it's only yeah. 36 minutes long, it's so it's not, not even like asking a lot of time. Yeah, that's the other thing that stood out to me. It's super short. I listened to it a couple times this afternoon to get ready for the podcast, and I was just like, "Wow, that flew right by." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't say. Yeah, that you know, when you spend all this time listening to all these prog records, suddenly you're like, that's "Wow, right. this just zoomed right through." 
It's like only listening to two fucking Emerson, Lake, and Palmer songs. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of like eating a bunch of those uh, mini corn dogs or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Cool. And on that note, (laughs) thank you guys for listening. Uh, Really appreciate it. And hope you guys are doing well out there in in sickness land and staying healthy and all that stuff. Um, Yeah, keep staying safe. Stay stay shut in and listen to more episodes of our podcast. There's several episodes you can go back and listen to if you dug this one. That's right. (laughs) We're going to try to figure out ways. Maybe we'll do like a conference call next time or something and have a guest on and, and figure that stuff out. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. All right. See you next time. All right. Bye, everyone.